This week on the Boag World Show, we talk about variable fonts, dealing with bad people, and whether we need to reconsider capture. This week's show is sponsored by Proposify and Teacup Analytics. about all aspects of digital design development and strategy. My name is Paul Boag and joining me on this week's show is Andy Clark, Sam Barnes, Brian Carson. Brian Carson? It's not just me. I'll just go, shall I? It's not just me that gets his name mixed up. It's, I, I have never done that before. And Ryan, I'll let you into a secret. I'm glad it's you. <laughs> Thanks, and. Paul. Uh, and Rich Rutter. Hello, Rich. Hello. Right, you're stepping in for Marcus this week, then. That's very noble of you. Oh, no, I didn't get a joke ready. That's all right. Well, I'm sure between us we can cobble a joke together. Sounds like Ryan's the butt of the joke this week. Ah, mm. Ryan, I don't. I didn't mean it. it was a slip of the tongue. It's okay. I know you've never done it before. I don't, I, it, it's, it's all your fault, Andy. It's making us record a bloody what? podcast at 10 a.m. on a Monday morning. What's wrong with that? I've been up for four hours. Oh, you're not. You're not. A, you're not a morning person. It's one are of you, those, Rich? yeah. <laughs> well, I am, but I also have children who need to get to school, and they can't do it on their own yet. Well, there you go. Home, homeschool them. That's, that's, <laughs> that, 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 makes, that, makes, that makes everything easier, doesn't it? Yeah. It yeah. does if your wife does the homeschooling, yeah. Yeah, there's a reason we ship them off out the door as early as we can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a fair comment. I can't argue with that one. Um, right, yes. So, I wanted to talk about um, next season a bit, if I can. Because um, I, 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 so next season, Rich, you won't know this, everybody else will. Um, but next season, we're going to do, uh, let people do a series of lightning talks. So essentially each show, we're going to try and do three talks um, where people give short little talks. And we're literally going to do it on a first come, first serve basis. Um, so I'm not in any way going to um uh kind of what's what's the word where you you kind of work out what um which talks to include and which one's not curate curate that's the word now curate was the word i was struggling for i'm not going to any way curate them beyond some basic principles about you know don't sell yourself or don't you know refer to slides that we can't see that kind of thing but beyond that it's just going to be kind of open to anybody um so it's a great opportunity if you've never spoken before. It's a great opportunity um, if you um, uh, uh, feel like you haven't got a chance to speak and that in some way you've been stopped from speaking or because maybe you can't attend conferences because of childcare or whatever it is, whatever your reason is. Now is your chance. But I've been quite amazed at how many people have um, said to me how terrified they are of the thought so I thought it, it might be quite interesting um, to just expect. Uh, there's a lot of people that says, "Oh, but but we won't. I won't be as slick as you guys are," which just made me giggle hugely. <laughs> you, I, I wonder whether they've ever listened to the show before. If only they knew. Yeah, I know. I know. God. <laughs> so that's what I thought. I I was quite interested to know what's the worst cock up you've ever made on a stage. Well, I, tell, I can tell you one thing. It wasn't really a cock-up, but I did manage to do um, do a Jason Santamaria and fall off a stage. Oh, that's good. quite good. Well, I'd say fall off. I mean, I didn't exactly land on my head, but I certainly ended up two feet lower than I was half a second earlier on. <laughs> did you manage to style it out, or was it bad? Uh, I, I, I think I bowed to the audience as they <laughs> of gave them permission to laugh at me. <laughs> And that's 90% of it, I think, with presenting. If you're relaxed and chilled out, then then you come across great and everybody goes with it. It's only when you're kind of really w obviously worked up that, that I think things are really difficult. 
So have we got any tips for people going to uh, do next week or, or reasons why they should? Because I, I think we need to encourage people. So I think to remember that, because one thing I used to do was someone told me this advice, I think it's quite well known, but someone told me and it hit me well, was that I was, when I first sort of saw people speaking and I was sort of in awe of them, thinking I could never do that, essentially, they, were told, they told me I was judging um, how they appear on the outside versus how I feel on the inside. Yeah. Which was actually a really simple thing, but it, it actually is true. Now I've spoken to a lot of people who I thought didn't get nervous, were incredibly confident. Do you know what? Most of them feel just like me, just like you, just like everybody. Um, yeah. It's totally normal to feel that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Also, another thing that, that has always hit me, a lot of people are very nervous about being criticized. Mm. Um, I think the important thing to remember is that um with criticism is that really unless those people are actually had the guts to do what you are doing then their criticism is somewhat irrelevant and anyway they've all got small penises so you know that, even, that's, even the women even the women <laughs> and that's an important thing to remember i think really that they're inadequate human beings yeah so, i think you're right um there's a few things there though i think when you um I mean, I'm not like the most confident of, of people. I do quite enjoy doing the talking now. I quite enjoy, you know, you get an adrenaline buzz out of it, but also you get very nervous beforehand, usually anyway, um, which is normally for the best. But what I found when I first sort of got going was picking on something that I was genuinely passionate about and interested yeah. in, because then you're just more naturally able to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, and probably kind of over preparing in a way just not writing a speech or, or a, and then reading that out because that's just going to sound like you're reading a speech out which is going to be a bit rubbish but really preparing and knowing exactly what you're going to be talking about from sort of slide to slide or as you go through the talk so you've got plenty to lean back on mm. um, and, you, and you know you know you, you know how long it's going to take and you're well practiced and all of that sort of stuff and that for me gave me a lot of confidence to be able to go and deliver the thing that's and that's so this a great is thing be a... sorry gandy go on i was gonna say this is going to be a radio show isn't it there's going to be no visual aids no slides exactly. to refer to mm. in this particular thing so i think one of the most important things to say is that you know people often criticize you for the content of you know or your your way of writing css or your way of writing javascript or whatever it might be they, they don't necessarily criticize you as an individual but they might criticize you know something that you say um mm -hmm. with with these lightning talks without visual aids, I imagine that people are going to be talking much more about their own experiences, perhaps about mm -hmm. their own perspective on something about their own, um, you know, viewpoint or whatever it might be. And your own perspective is your own perspective. It's nobody else's. And yeah. if you feel that you are, um, interested in something and you feel qualified and interested enough to talk about it well there shouldn't be any criticism and that's the thing that i think we should stress i would love to hear somebody else's experience of how it you know what it's like to get started in design or mm. what it's like to start working with you know css or whatever it might be um mm. and nobody can criticize you for that because you know you experience as your own I think another idea for a, if it's just a lightning talk, I think because there's no slide as well, you could, it, I think people get, as I said last week, people get hung up on that it has to be amazing, it has to blow the, the, the design or technical community away when it really doesn't. So yeah. <clears throat> given there's no slides and given it people are nervous, I think one of the good thing I do when I, when I do talks, I like telling stories about things that have actually happened. Yes. Um, it just, it sounds authentic. I kind of, it's probably the one time I do go off script because I, I'm kind of doing it from memory, but also there's a, there's a key message in there. There's something I learned. It doesn't have to be that I learned how to do something better. It could be that this all went wrong. And so I think we'll do it this way next time. That, yeah. That funny thing happened on the way to the nunnery. <laughs> exactly. Also, but it's amazing as well. There's this perception that, oh, the more you speak, you know, the more you do at these events, the better you are and all the rest of it. I actually think sometimes the opposite is true. I think people like, you know, us that spend a lot of our time speaking, you become you you become tired about of speaking about the same old, same old. Mm. And so you end up picking ever more 
excellent, you know, kind of strange and bizarre topics to speak about and become less and less relevant. So I think there's something quite refreshing about a, a new speaker that tends to pick on stuff that they know and they're doing every day because it, it's really relevant stuff. And that's the other thing, Go, going back to Sam's point about feeling a need to be original. I actually think the thing that people would most like hearing from the stage is being told that they're doing it right. And that other mm-hmm. people are doing it like them. So even if you're repeating exactly what someone else knows, that's still good. I think um, two other tips as well. One is that this was from, so this is a good example. Someone on Twitter we were talking to very briefly, Paul, who I'm trying to get to do one of these. Yeah. Um, she was obviously, she was nervous. She's scared. But she, she then came up with her own tip. She said, maybe if I write it. Um, as if I was talking to a friend that might have a yeah. better tone. And I thought, well, I've, I've not actually heard that one before. There's someone who was scared and thinking they weren't good enough as it were. And mm-hmm. I'm sitting there going, wow, thanks for the advice. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. And that's the great thing about this is, you know, you can record it as many times as you want. You can get it right. You can fiddle with it. it although I would encourage you not to do that because I think you could get to the point of, of going, you know, you play with it around with, so, with it so much and micro, you know, analyze it so much that you decide it's not worth it. But you can if you need to, you know, there's, I, I just, I so want people to do this One so badly. tip as well, Paul, is that when, so when I first started talking, I, I think I, I understand. I understand I didn't want to be seen as anything that I wasn't. And there I was on the stage putting opinions across. Yeah. I think as long as you put those opinions across, but you, you can, you can caveat them and say, look, this is just my opinion. I yeah. think, you know, you just, you just sort of be humble about it. And then it's not a, this is, this is right. And if you're doing it another way, you're wrong. It's just, mm. this is how I do it. Mm. I'm interested to talk. One one of the things that I think folks sometimes struggle with is thinking of something to talk. You know, you have that classic imposter syndrome. um, Mm -hmm. I've got nothing new to contribute. Um, And then you go back to what you were saying, Paul, about where you're worried that you're going to get criticism. So one of the ways to get around both of those things is to do a talk, which is an introduction to or how to get started in. Because then no one can criticize you for... Um, not knowing your stuff because you're just going to be covering some beginners things anyway. And also that it's, it's much easier to try and find a topic. Then it's an excuse to talk about stuff that, you know, mm-hmm. other people do know about, but you can be fairly sure that quite a lot of people won't know about it either. Yeah. Cause we get a lot of people that listen, listen. To, yeah. I know what you meant. It's all right, Rich. We, we don't do proper English on this show. Um, we even occasionally, yeah, we've had we have we have Americans on the show. I mean, they certainly don't talk proper English. Um, uh, yeah, and you're right because this show has a lot of students that listen to it. It has a lot of people that work part time in in web design, and, and you know, it's more of a hobby than anything. Um, so all of those people are going to learn. But even if you are a student, you know, one of the most common questions that I get asked is, um, you know, is uh, is it worth going to university? Right. What? How do I know? I went to university like 25 years ago or something like that. And and, and it was a totally different world. So really, it'd be much better for a student to answer that than it would me. So, yeah, everybody can contribute something. Do it. I I feel I I need to physically I've never felt an overwhelming urge to physically force anybody (laughs) to do anything. But I want them to do this so badly. I think I've just got this horrible feeling next season is going to crash and burn. But anyway, we'll find out. Please submit something. Please, please. How, I need... long, should, how long should they be? Um, 10, 15 minutes is ample. Um, they, they can be a bit longer if you, if you want them to be. Um, and, but no, no more than 20 minutes tops um, is good. There's actually a blog post where I lay out, um, you know, all the information you need to know, which is boag.world forward slash season 18. Um, just gives them a bit of advice about mics and, and that kind of stuff. But don't get hung up on any of that. Don't let any of that stop you um, from submitting something. Um, and submit it sooner rather than later, because it is possible that, well, A, it's going to be on a first come first serve basis, but also somebody might later have the same idea as you have. So you need to get yours in first. Um, but if you're worried that, you know, um, that someone else might do the same thing, just drop me an email at paul at boagworld.com and I'll tell you if anybody else is thinking about the same thing. Thinking, Paul, maybe that's a way to get going, get people to submit the topic first, just just to make contact yeah. and say hello and yeah. guide them through the process. 
Yeah, I'm happy to do that. And Sam, you've already offered to do that as well with people as well. So just drop us an email if you've got any questions, any doubts. To be honest, I'd really love an email to say I'm thinking about doing this because at the moment I've got about three people and about 45 slots to fill. So (laughs) any kind of encouragement would be much appreciated. Oh, dear. I, I, I can I can really sympathize with this because I've I've never spoke on stage and the, and the thought of it fills me with dread. But you're doing this. Uh, this this is different, though. This is a conversation. This 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 four other guys on 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 the podcast with me that are giving me feedback. We're having a discussion. We're contributing ideas. If we feel we can't contribute anything, one of us stays quiet. You know what I mean? Type thing. Whereas it's a very um, this is a little bit different for season 18 because you're recording something that's going to be played back. But when you're on stage, you're there talking at a group of people who are kind of looking yeah. at the phones, not looking at you, half listening, laughing, laughing with the friends, you know, not really giving any feedback. And you're thinking, am I, am I dying? It's not like being a stand-up comedian. Yeah. Know? If you get your joke right, they laugh. If they don't laugh, you think, oh, I'm fucking dying here. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I've, I've always struggled with that. I'm all right in, like, workshop scenarios and where there's feedback you know, um, in what's being said, but I'm the same as you, Ryan, but I think the only, the only reason I went up there was really when you've got a really strong message that you feel quite passionately about and you want to get that out there. Mm. I think that's worth it. I think having gone through it, I would say that it it was scary. It was everything that I thought it would be and probably worse, but I was really (laughs) happy to get the, the message out there. You know, I really was, it was, it was a nice, I was proud of myself if I dare I say, yeah, because yeah. it was so scary. It's one of them, Dan does it. Dan, my, my business partner, Dan does it, and um, and he's really quite good at it. And I've seen him speak, and it's like I, I don't know how he does it. He does it a lot with a lot more, lot of confidence, I think. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's not necessarily that I don't think I've got anything to contribute. It's just uh, it's that it's that feeling of um, I you know intellectually I know that. I know my shit and I know a lot more than a lot of other people know and I know I can do a very good job and I know the stuff I can do can outshine what other people can do but you still no matter how good you are you've still got that feeling of imposter syndrome it's like you're going to get up on stage and someone's going to call you out and say you've been doing it like that all that time haven't you heard about this oh well no I haven't you bloody idiot get off stage boo you know what I mean <laughs> sounds I, like you've run that through a few times <laughs> 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 I wake up in cold sweats <laughs> thinking about it. Well, no, no. The way I can, I can I can easily deal with that. I can easily deal with that because everybody knows I know bugger all, right? And all the years I've got on the stage, not once has someone interrupted me or even said on Twitter that you know I'm I'm a complete twat and that I don't know my stuff. They've told me I'm I. Uh, they've disagreed with me before. Um, but nobody is, you know, uh, no, people have been abusive, but it's, it's never as bad as you think it is. It's never the, the, the level that everybody has in their head. Mm. So Ryan, are you going to record something for next season? I don't want to talk about. (laughs) 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 I might do. I might do. I might have some, I think I might have some um, interesting to talk about for next season anyway, because, um, um, some stuff's happening this month that I'm going to keep quiet. Ooh, aren't we mysterious? <laughs> I'm going to be coming and begging everybody I've ever met to record one of these things. I could tell by the way things are going, but there you go. Yeah. Also, I'm a little bit disappointed. I'm gonna, I may get myself into trouble at this point, but I'm a little bit disappointed. Everybody that's contacted me so far are all white middle-class men. I want, uh, you know, I thought I'd get opening it up and just saying... You know anybody, and and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna in any way check any of this stuff. I you know or 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 set any limits. I thought I might get a bit more diverse audience, and I may still yet. But uh, yes, pressure pressure everybody you know. So there we go. Right, okay. So that's that. Let's talk about our sponsors for this week. Um, we're first of all we're going to talk about Teacup Analytics that I love so much and spend so much of my time with Teacup Analytics. Um. So just to quickly remind you what Teacup is, in case you don't know, it's essentially an um, uh, application that sits on top of um, Google Analytics and makes Google Analytics usable. Um, because instead of kind of opening you up to all of this, this data, it, it delivers a series of reports. And those reports are based on questions you might have, like, you know, which is working better for me, Twitter or Facebook? You know, those kinds of questions that you have. Is my bounce rate good or bad? 
you know. So that's basically what Teacup is. Um, Teacup is a great tool when you're working with your clients um, because you can easily provide cl- uh, clients with reports um, so they can see how their uh, website's doing, whether it's performing well and that kind of stuff, which is obviously something you can um, you can sell to your clients, which is really good. Um, there are three steps that, that I recommend when, when using something like Teacup to work with clients. So I just wanted to quickly mention, first of all, is at the beginning of your project, make sure you've got clear um, key performance indicators. How are you going to measure the success or otherwise of your project? Because if you don't know those, then you don't know what to report back on and you don't know, um, you know which reports you're going to need from within Teacup Analytics. So first of all, establish your key performance indicators. Next, I would sit down with your client um, before the project starts and look through all the different reports um, that Teacup offers and identify the ones that are most relevant to their particular situation um, in order to, to call them back, um, you know, to, to, that you can use those. And then finally, at the end of each um, uh, month, just have a very brief call with your client to go through the reports that you've been providing them, whether it be weekly, biweekly, or even monthly. Um, so, and discuss where it's strong, where it's weak, because, and here's the good bit, that will lead on to future work. It shifts the client's perspective away from that launch and abandon mentality to one of incremental improvement, because um, Teacup will actually suggest areas that you need to focus on and need to improve. So it's an opportunity to check in with your clients once a month um, and say, okay, you know, it's suggesting we do this. How do you feel about that? That kind of thing. So to find out more about Teacup, get it up and running, it's dirt cheap. Go to boag.world forward slash teacup. Right. I think I think guests should go first, as as Rich is so kindly standing in from Marcus. Um Rich, talking about say give it talking about the same old things that everybody always talks about. You always talk about typography. It's oh. getting boring now, mate. <laughs> Where's my bloody book, Richard Rutter? That's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> it was a spontaneous <laughs> question. <laughs> Funnily enough, um, yesterday um, I reached a, a major milestone with the bloody book, which is kind of how I'm feeling about it now. Um, finally, we got through all the rounds of edits. We've, um, we, as in mostly me, but with a lot of help from my brother, have finally finished off over 200 illustrations for the book, which um, oh, Jesus. took a bit longer than I thought because um, I didn't think there was 200 till we listed them all out diligently. Um, and so now, finally, we're in a position where we can actually be producing the book bit because we don't need to do any more writing, done two rounds of edits the editor and so now i just need to work out how to make an ebook meanwhile my brother who does know how to make a physical book is getting on with that so we're finally 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 feels like we're very close cool that was a that it's a battle isn't it writing a book it's a painful old process mm. well and when you've got nice people like andy here who've stumped up their cash nearly two years ago and are still waiting for a book very patiently you start to feel um somewhat pressured to get it done quite yeah, rightly no. yeah well you have to post well, it all the way down yeah but you can uh, you can get an ebook a bit more quickly than uh, than that so rich you've been talking a lot about variable fonts recently mm. now here's the problem that i have is is i don't know anything about variable fonts please teach me okay i can teach you about that uh, variable fonts is a it's a technology that we're all going to be using maybe in a year maybe in two years and when i say all i mean probably pretty much anyone who updates their version of microsoft office or photoshop or um, us designing and building websites as well so variable fonts it's a new technology that was just announced in october 2016 um, technically called open type font variations but what it means is that it enables a single font file to behave like multiple fonts. So what I mean by that is, if you think about 
um, a, um, a type family of different fonts that might have um, a regular weight, a bold weight, a light weight, extra light, very mm-hmm. heavy, you know, going from thin to thick. That's one axis of variation. Um, mm-hmm. And you might have, just along that, you might have eight different font files for eight different kinds of um, weights. And you might also have those fonts as being very condensed or very wide, so very kind of squished or very stretched. So there's another axis there, and you might have another eight fonts there. But each of those eight widths in the different eight and weights as well. So that's eight by eight is 64 different font files for those 64 different variations. So you can imagine why you wouldn't be wanting to use all of those on a website, for example. You probably wouldn't want to use more than about three of them, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, now, what Open Type Font Variations does, variable fonts, it packages all of that information into one font file, um, and it's not a font file which is 64 times as big. Yeah, I was going to say, is it not enormous as a result? No, it's probably only twice as big Right. for that kind of variation. And that's just a really simple example. Um, but what it means is you haven't just got those eight. You've got an almost infinite variation from the very light to the very heavy, from the very narrow to the very wide. Um, And so in that case, probably a million different fonts. And that's just those two axes. And you can vary all sorts of different things, like how big a serif is, for example. So you can go from a sans serif all the way through to a a ridiculous serif. You can do um, the contrast of the font, so where you've got a letter form, where part of it is very thin and part of it's very thick. You can vary that contrast in terms of the difference between the thicks and the thins all the time while you're varying all these other things as well. Um, all within, within a single font file, which is between, you know, it's roughly twice the size. Um, and of course, you've got one file to download there as well. Um, and it opens up, from a designer's point of view, the um, ability to be able to pick and choose a few different types of weights things like Mm. different styles for across the website but then also um, to maybe vary those depend in a responsive way so where you have a small screen you might want to use a narrower font yeah you have a big screen a bigger font but you've just got to just got the single font to download in both cases so how do how do you specify all this kind of stuff in on a website? You know, if you you've got a font file and I can understand how you load that in, how do you then say, you know, I want a, an extra wide font or whatever? So there are some standard ones which use and they use uh, the standard CSS, so font weight. Mm. Yeah. Um, for example, up until now, font weight has used keywords like normal or bold, um, but it's also used. Um, numbers which are in multiples of 100, so 100, 200, 400, Mm -hmm. and so on. But now you'll be able to use any integer. So so anywhere between 1 and 999, so that gives you 999 different weights. Um, And similarly, there's some existing CSS for um, around font stretch. Um, And anything else where the designer comes up with something uh, different outside of those sort of regular things... There's a slightly arcane bit of um, uh, CSS that can be used to access anything that they come up with. Oh, okay. Um, so I saw just rec- just this morning, actually, um, there was an emoji, an emoji come in fonts now, even though they're full color. Um, and someone had designed a variable font where you could change. It was an emoji where you had a smiley face with a tongue sticking out. And you could change where the tongue went on the face so you could to, <laughs> to lick an eyeball or lick a chin or the nose or round to the left or round to the right. And that was just with a variation within the font. So it, it, it's, um, the mind boggles as to what could actually be used. Um, and those fonts are going to start getting shipped um, at some point um, once they've worked out how to charge for them. Um, and you'll find that they work they'll be working also within the operating systems and things but um, one really important thing about this that means that it is going to happen sooner rather than later is that Adobe, Microsoft Google and Apple have developed this all together Wow! so all the big boys are behind it um, so it, it will go it'll be out there across the board and, and this stuff is working in browsers already albeit mostly the technology previews of um, Safari and Chrome and 
in Edge as well and Firefox. So it's it's all out there and it's happening quite quickly. And so it'll be working on the web before it actually ends up in our operating systems, but it'll end up there soon-ish as well. And I mean, I'm I'm imagining the the kind of fallback is is quite healthy on this that you know it's not going to break if if you if your browser doesn't support this stuff it's just going to fall back to the default font is it yeah you'd have to start um if if you're bringing these in through web fonts you'd have to start specifying two different sources so that you point out okay. to the variable font and then also to a regular font um and that's at the moment I think we can make a good guess how that would work and certainly a good guess how it should work. Um, but it's not the browser folks are still trying to work out those kinds of details. But the actual technology, the type technology, um, is that's a, that's a standard already. So they know what it can do. They've just got to work out how they do that in a web context. Hmm. Um, and, and also there's no... Uh, you know, these fonts are going to have to work, like I said, in Photoshop and Illustrator and Word and all yeah. the rest of it. And... The interface for picking one <laughs> million fonts or plus yeah. um, has not been designed yet. Um, yeah. Uh, but there is one just last little thing that they have these things called named instances. So where you do want a bold extra condensed, um, which is just one point within a million, um, the type designer can specify what that should be. And so that bold extra condensed will appear as a font in your font picker in ah uh, okay so you, you won't it won't completely change the way you use fonts um, but underneath it it does right so so you've got as much detail or flexibility as you want to if you don't want to delve into all this stuff then there's still the the default because i have to say a lot of the time i think i'd prefer you know a proper type designer to be making these selections rather than me well that's know? that's the nice thing is that the, the way that these are um, produced um, they're produced by the type designers so the type designer designs like the middle point like the yeah. kind of the most normal font and then um, designs the extremes yeah um, and then the standard interpolates between the two and that's yeah. one of the reasons why you can get so many different fonts into one bit of data because it's just the differences that are stored um, and most importantly it like I said it's the type designer who is designing the extremes and the middle point. So um, everything there has come from the designer. It's not being made up by a browser. That's or very cool. Software. Cool. Excellent. Oh, that's really good. I'm really quite excited about that now. I totally misunderstood what it was all about. So I'm, I'm glad we had you on the show to, to, to put me straight. You say well, if you or anyone else wants to go and have a play with these, which you yeah. can do, it's a great website um, put together by a chap called Lawrence Penny. And it, the website's called axispraxis.org. <laughs> axispraxis.org. Um, I'm looking forward to my wife trying to look up that URL. How the <laughs> hell do you spell that? <laughs> okay. A-X-I-S yeah. hyphen P-R-A-X-I-S dot org. Okay. Axis-praxis.org. Um, you'll need to download um, like a technology preview for Safari, but that's easy yeah. enough. There's links there, so... Good. Eee, wonderful. Sounds good. Go and play. It does sound very good. Sam, can we can we talk to you next? Because sure. I, I, I just loved your description in your email. I want to talk about dealing with bad people. Yeah. You know, I just thought that was just the great line. Yeah, so I'm talking about toxic people at work. Um, I think really life as well, though. This might get a bit I, philosophical, maybe. Are you, are you, are you sure you, is this or not you secretly saying something about the people that come on this show? Uh, let's move on. Um, so no, um, <laughs> so this is something that this is a good example of like a, a lightning talk type thing. It's not technical. It's not um, not even really original. It's just something that I've kind of learned as I've gone through my career. And I don't know if it's mm. the only way. There's, it, it might be the wrong way, but this is this is kind of my take on dealing with bad people at work after you know fifteen years doing it. So the one thing I would say is that. What when you're dealing with bad people at work? When I say bad people, I mean toxic people. I mean people that just just make your blood boil. You know, um, the one thing that I see most people doing is essentially reacting to it, um, and they're letting it get to them essentially. 
and I, and I think most people are going to start with internalizing it and getting really angry and bitter and, and negative, and then they're going to start talking to other people. And if if someone is toxic, the chances are they're uh, annoying other people too. You start talking to people, and you feel like you've got a bit of a team. But I think what I've learned over the years is that actually this is really not the way. Well, not the way I I now deal with it because I found it so unhealthy and draining, like mentally draining all of the time. Even if like you've got a little a group of people that agree and and you feel quite aligned on that, I just looking back on all these times, it was very draining for everybody. And you kind of can bring other people down as well. Um, you can you can sort of make people tune into something they hadn't noticed, and it's just not really the way to go. So. I mean, I'm no better. I've done this myself early in my career, and I guess this is how I've learned most things in life the hard way. Um, but I think there was something that happened uh, in a, even my first agency, but I was probably two, three years into it. And I was in a meeting with, uh, there was a toxic person running the meeting, and I was with two other people. And the, one of the people with me felt exactly the same about this person and actually about the topic we were discussing, which I can't remember, but I just remember, remember that. And as we're going through this meeting, um, the toxic person was on fine form you know saying things that were just really really getting me uh, really getting me going but when I turned around to sort of give this other person a glance as if you know to say you know do you see what I mean or do you agree they had this really calm look on their face right and it was it was really it was really unnerving to begin with because I couldn't understand why or even how um, he could be looking so relaxed given I knew how much this stuff annoyed him as well Anyway, we went on through the meeting and this this went this meeting was a good sort of two hour big one. And, you know, so various times during that meeting, uh, I'd, be, I'd hear something that would really, you know, have me on the edge. And I'd look over to the, this other person and again, they're just sitting there just totally relaxed. And I'm, I'm getting quite confused by this. So when the meeting ended, I thought, well, I'm going to find out what's going on here because it was really confusing. And I said to him, how how are you doing this how are you remaining like what, what's going on how are you so calm he actually had a little smile on his face it wasn't even relaxed he looked sort of happy and he, he just he just looked at me and bearing in mind at this point I was really uh, riled up and he just he just said to me do you know what just just keep doing the right thing no matter what just keep doing the right thing and everything will be okay in the end mm-hmm. and it really floored me because it, while it sounded so ridiculous it immediately made sense um, and what he was really getting at was that, you, that reacting to reacting to people that, that annoy you at work, especially people that, that are toxic and they kind of want you to, um, will, will never get will never do anything good. It's never going to do anything good. And it kind of reminded me about something that my dad told me. So I, I used to play football when I was, I mean, really from the age of like five till twenty five, maybe. And um, I'm I've always been very small. And even back when I was a kid, I was even smaller compared to everyone else. So I would obviously get. Um, bullied to a sense sense on a pitch Uh, but my dad always told me just to never react never let them see hurting you and he just one phrase that always stuck with me he said uh, always do your talking on the pitch Mm-hmm. And what he what he meant by that was you don't react to the the attempts to push you over or bully you or whatever you you just you just take it on the chin you tackle them hard but fair um, you take the anger you feel from the harassment and you channel it into just beating them fair and square on the pitch within the rules that everybody knows and. I, I did this then. I don't think I understood why, but I did this then, and I think that carries on into into you know when you're working life because what I noticed both in sport and in the office is when you don't react to people that are trying to get a reaction to you, people really tend to notice it. They notice it more than they would if you were highlighting how bad somebody was and you know trying to get them on side as it were. You just don't react, and it takes time and it takes discipline and a lot of patience. But what I found is at the end of that, um, people really see the bad person for who they are. And they really see that you you didn't react. They actually see that strength in there. And they really respect it. And it shows you've got character. And I guess by doing this, what I've learned over the years is that actually you're remaining the professional one doing this. Um, mm. If you never react, you can never be accused of anything. Because it's really, tempt- it's really tempting to retaliate. It, it really is. It's human nature, I believe. But you have to resist that. Um, you can always, you'll always be on solid moral ground um, as long as you're doing the right thing. As I said, you gain respect for not reacting. Um, it exposes the problem in the right way. I think that it takes longer, but it, it, it just shows it more for what it is. And do you know what? After all of this, I'm still human. Um, this, this kind of smiling back and not reacting and just doing your job, being professional, it really annoys the people who are trying to get you Yeah, down. it does. It really, and that is a byproduct. You shouldn't be aiming for that, but there's nothing <laughs> nicer than when, you, when you've, you've gone the right route, you've, you've had the sort of discipline um, uh, to, to continue and not bring other people down, and eventually, when it all comes out, it's just a great place to be. So it's a bit of a bit of a advice section, really, but just something that I think 
I feel really strongly about getting out there because I see a lot of people early in their career and naturally at work you you end up having a, a bogeyman you know there's always someone that's the enemy and I just think that's that's a mistake that I wish I could go back and change mm. do you I mean you say don't react mm. uh, it's hard <laughs> don't get me wrong well, well yeah, no, no, I'm just trying to define that in okay. my mind as to what you know because you equally can well let me give you an example yeah. of whether you you feel that this was a good approach okay. we i used to have a boss um who uh, he would every we would have a board meeting every week mm-hmm. i was i headed up a team of designers and we'd all sit around the board uh, the 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 um boardroom with the different departments being represented and every week he would pick on someone mm-hmm. Um, and he would rip them apart. And for a long time, I was the golden boy, right. so I didn't get this. But I knew eventually it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the meeting where it, it eventually did happen, I was prepared. And essentially, he he ripped the crap out of me in the meeting. And I, I, you, you're right, I didn't react in the meeting. Mm-hmm. I just sat there and I, I smiled and, and, and took it on the chin. Yep. Then when the meeting ended, I walked up to him and calm as you like mm-hmm. once everybody else had left the room i said if you ever speak to me like that again in a meeting mm-hmm. in front of other people i will quit and that that was all i and i said it incredibly calmly mm-hmm. now i don't know whether you would consider that reacting well or, I, I would say it depends if he if this boss of yours was um was was trying to get a rise out of you versus just being inappropriate so what I'm talking, I, right. I guess it's more about being targeted or when it feels like you're being targeted or bullied or someone's yeah. very much. Got, in that situation, I think that that was totally fine. It was right mm. not to react in front of people. That That is being professional. Um, and to say it calmly after that is, is totally. How did, I mean, how did it how did it play out? What, what did well, he say? I mean, he was he was a classic school boy bully. Okay. So he would bully everybody. OK. Um, and uh, so so the way i chose to deal with it mm-hmm. was really the 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 kind of stand up to bullies yes. approach yeah um and he he did he folded like a house of yeah. cards he he basically said oh, oh i didn't mean to upset you and and it, it changed the dynamic of the relationship um but it was incredible i mean it's incredibly hard in a scenario it, it like is. that but but the point is that you you reacted in a way that you you controlled yourself you didn't let emotion yeah. take over how you responded i think that's that's the key thing in that situation um that there, there's there's other times though when you're in various office scenarios be it in meetings or even hearing stories or whatever it might be and you definitely feel like you want to either shout or just you know you want to you want to react a lot more strongly and it's, yeah. it's showing that control that actually makes people quite uncomfortable you know? yeah yeah if you'd have, if it does if you have shouted that at him i i would i would have put money on him not folding and kind of feeling like pleased you know like that's obviously yeah. what he wants yeah and yeah surprised him. so do do what don't do what they want do what they don't expect you you, you it is that classic you know um when they go low we go high type uh, yeah. mentality and i really yeah. believe in that yeah I, Andy, your your the book you wanted to mention is about leadership and and dealing with people and this kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think I've mentioned before that I've got a new job. Amazingly, you um, hadn't really made a big deal out of that. No, no, no so, I, I'm just amazed that somebody's actually hired me. To be honest, um, <laughs> we all and, are. Mate. We are. <laughs> and you're prepping up. Yeah, well, Sue keeps, we got to the end of the first week, and Sue said, "Not been fired yet." So, <laughs> thanks for the vote of confidence. Um, anyway, so, as I think I said on the podcast last week, I am really taking this seriously. And, you know, there's a lot of different things that I'm being asked to do. You know, I'm head of design at this company, and that's not a role that I have a lot of experience in. Um and, you know, having spent all these years working on my own, actually kind of interacting with people can sometimes be a challenge. Um, so I suppose I could quite easily be one of the toxic people <laughs> that Sam was talking about. <laughs> Let's try really hard. Anyway, they said to me uh, at the beginning of uh, last week uh, that they were hosting this leadership training at the company. They're getting in an outside consultant who was coming in to teach the senior management team about leadership did I want to be involved? Now, the old Andy would have, like, run for the hills and said, no, thank you, I'd rather spend my day looking at kerning. 
<laughs> but the new Andy thought, no, embrace this kind of thing. Anyway, so the first thing that they had me do was to fill in a two-part personality profile. So I'm going to give you a bit of a quiz so that you can see whether you can guess my personality, right? So mm -hmm. if we've got a scale that's between accommodating and directing, where would I be? Would I be more towards the accommodating or the directing, would you say? Directing? Yeah, yeah directing. just about. Yeah. Just about. Okay. Um, reserved or engaging? Ooh. Or engaging. I think. I don't know. Yeah, just a little bit towards engaging. Okay. Yeah. Would I be towards the spontaneous end or the methodical end? Oh, spontaneous. spontaneous. Oh, I don't no, know. actually not. Ooh. No, I'm more towards oh. the methodical. Now, here's the one that's going to really get you. This is, this is going to really, really get you. Would I be more towards the harmonious end or the challenging end? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, let me think. Oh, oh, no. oh, You're a nice I, man, harmonious. <laughs> I, 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 I think challenging, but that's, that's only because that's what I've heard from other people. I've always found you very harmonious. Yeah, well, it actually does. Yeah, I'm challenging, apparently. <laughs> I'm very much down at the challenge again. That was, that was what they call path four. Now, th there was this other one, path six, which was like another sort of 60 questions or so. And basically, it tells me that I'm basically mid-range across a lot of this stuff. I'm mid-range in the dominance. I'm mid-range in the extroversion. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm not very compassionate, strangely enough. Um, but I'm quite spontaneous, I'm quite adventurous, and here's the best one, in the innovation section, I'm very creative, and I like to generate oh. and express new ideas and seek mental challenges. There so, you go. Speaking of mental challenges, then today, actually today as we record this podcast, I sat through eight hours of leadership training with the rest of the senior Ooh. management team. Mm -hmm. um, and they brought in this consultant from America. And normally speaking, if you'd have asked me like, you know, three months ago, would I have got anything for some leadership training and would I have actually wanted to turn up? I'd have probably said I'd rather go and boil my head. <laughs> but the new Andy went there with an open mind. And although I felt a little bit kind of uncomfortable at the beginning, the more you get into the day, the more um, actually enlightening the whole thing was. And I had a really good time. And I actually was sitting there with a little pad, scribbling loads of things down. Some of it not directly related to the stuff that we were talking about. <laughs> but it was all to do with you work. Were you, were doodle, you were doodling, is what you're saying. You were doodling. <laughs> yes, it was creative. <laughs> And we tackled, we tackled this thing, and uh, please tell me if you've heard of this, because I had not heard of this before. There was the, 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 the guy that was facilitating the meeting said, right, who has not heard of the five levels of leadership? And of course, I've I was not about, heard of the no. only bloke that basically put his hand up was, was me, because I'm, you know, thick as pig shit. Anyway, the whole of the day was basically, uh, riffing around this idea of the five levels of leadership and it was brilliant so i'm going to go through just a couple of things um the first level down at the bottom and it's not in sort of you know order but the first level is um position and people follow you because it's your job title and they have to there's no respect yeah. there's no inspiration they just follow you because you know you're the boss the second one is permission where people follow you because they want to, because they see something in you and they want to, they want to follow you. The third level is about production. People follow you because of what you've done for the organization. That's important for the organization. And then the fourth one, because you never get to five unless you're like super leader. Um, the fourth one is all about people development and people follow you because of what you've done for them in terms of their career development, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I found this whole thing fascinating. So normally I do a book where, you know, I've read it and I can recommend it. Today's book is a book that I haven't read, but it is 
the book that was recommended with this course that we did today. So I'm actually going to order it when we finish the podcast. and I am going to sit and read it. It's called The Five Levels of Leadership, Proven Steps to Maximize Your Potential by John C. Maxwell. And there's a link in the show notes, or there will be. Um, and uh, if this is your thing, then maybe you could uh, read along with me because I am a new man and this is like part of my new canon. And that's my book of the week. There we go. That sounds like a very good one. Okay. Um, I don't know what else to say on that, Andy. It, it was you ending with the bit, I'm a new man. It, it left me flawed. <laughs> well, as I, to did where see, to go. I did see something the other day which described the area that we now live in, which is Surrey Hills and Sydney, and it was full yeah. of young beatniks yeah. and old bohemians. And I thought, ah, which one am I? I, I think that's very straightforward, Andy. I don't. I don't think there's a lot of doubt around that. If I'm honest, I'm right? An old bohemian. <laughs> so um, I, I just want. I've got a very quick one. It won't take long because I want to get Ryan's in as well. Um, uh, have you guys seen what Google have done with Recapture? That they've they've now released a new version of Recapture. Yeah, the invisible. Yeah. Thing. So there's, it's now machine learning. So it, in the majority of cases, the user doesn't need to do anything anymore um, unless they're, they're particularly suspicious. Um, I, I've had this deep and utter hatred for re, uh, recapture and capture for, for donkey's years. It's got usability problems. It's got accessibility problems. It's, it's evil personified. Um, but this, this is looking okay. Um, so most of the time the user does, as I say, doesn't need to do anything. It's essentially just, um, runs in the background and it, it looks at mouse behavior. It looks at, um, you know, various other factors to ascertain whether or not you're a bot. Um, and it only throws up a, a message if it, if it, you know, really thinks that you're, you're in trouble. Now, obviously in an ideal world, you don't want it to ever throw up a message. And you might say to yourself, oh, well, if you use something like honey trap, it's never going to throw up a message, but it is possible, therefore, um, that that you know that something like Honeytrap can create accessibility issues um, as well, um, and isn't isn't a perfect system in itself. So this this looked like something that is ve- vaguely more usable now. Ryan, this is something I, I I bet you've got an opinion on. Yeah, well, we we've just implemented uh, recapture uh, on uh, Charity Bank. Um, right for on their on their loan application form um it's obviously recapturing itself is obviously far better than the crappy try and read this word or yeah the thing pictures but obviously it still has potential accessibility issues but yeah having something that's kind of hidden away um it's, it's still not out yet is it it's still coming soon in it no i think it's it's now out and literally um last few days i believe right because the the website for it still says coming soon Oh, does it? Yeah, so um, so I've not really had Ryan, chance. I've not played with this yet. Ryan, I'm interested. Well, why did you feel the need to put in a capture at all? Yeah. They were getting a lot of... Um, there, were, there were a lot of spam through and a lot of um, just rubbish, and they requested it specifically because they'd seen it. Um, so uh, so we implemented that being the kind of best of a bad bunch of options. For, you, over, you felt that that was a better option than than um, uh, something like a honey trap, then. Yeah, um, I mean, you just nine times out of ten, it doesn't. When you nine, nine times out of ten, you're just clicking on the recapture thing. It, you know, it only it only occasionally asks you, uh, you know, to identify. You know, click on all the images that are a shop front or something like that. So it does actually. It just seems it's a nicer one. And Stripe uses it as well. Mm. Yeah. I'm not happy. Well, not happy. I, I, I've got to say, I mean, you do what you want with your projects. <laughs> your project's not mine. I hate recapture with a passion. Now, it bollocks that nine times out of ten you only need to check a box. Most of the time it triggers, uh, oh, try and work out which parts of this picture have got storefronts and which are houses. And and also, why should why should your problems or their organisation's problems be made the problems of the user? It's just shite. 
There's no excuse for using recapture. You're in my bad books. You don't get to speak now, That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> I'm sure you could live with that. <laughs> Although that said, let's move on to Ryan's selection. <laughs> I've somewhat undermined that, haven't I now? This one fascinated me when you sent this through, Ryan. Did it? Yeah, a rich text editor with an API. What the hell is that about? <laughs> um, you can hook it. You can hook it up to. Uh, do you know what? I've not actually used this. I've just been looking at it, and it seems it seems like. Oh, one of oh, nice here ones. we go. Here we go. <laughs> so, not only do you use recapture, you're me- recommending shit you know nothing about. I have, I've looked into it. I've just not implemented it on anything yet. Go on, how's it work then? What is it? Is it like a replacement for a, 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 a what you see is what you get? Yeah, so it's a WYSIWYG editor. So, you know, you, for, for years, and for me personally, whenever I've implemented one of these things, it's always been like tiny MCE or CK, uh, yeah. and they've always been just clunky and horrible and rubbish and, you know, not liked and not got along with them very well. But this one seems like a really clean solution, really easy to implement. Um, it's got various modules that you can add additional functionality in. So you can add like a undo and redo module, you know, so a history module for undo and redo. But these are all things you can just add in as extras if you want to have that facility. And I just think it's really useful for if you're building anything bespoke, like we build a lot of like little admin systems for different for various things that we build um, where you might you may need a WYSIWYG editor for, you know, to help with, um, you know, client input and stuff that's going to be output as markup. Um, this seems like a pretty nice solution, but, um, but yeah, the, the API stuff, I, I believe it's so that you can, you can build your own custom stuff and feed information into the WYSIWYG editor and get information back out again as well. So you can actually yeah. do additional ma- manipulation of the stuff that you're putting into it. I just thought it was a really interesting one. So I came across this the other day and kind of, um, you know, marked it as something that if I if I need one when I'm building something in the uh, in the in the future, I'll have a look at this one and look at implementing this one. But yeah, quite liked it, quite a clean one. So I thought I'd recommend it. I I do like the look of it because is it, you can really customize and control yeah. every aspect of it, which yeah. is really nice. So you know, if you don't want to give people too much control, it, so it's called. We haven't said the name. It's, it's Quill. Called Quill. Quilljs.com. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just to, just to fire it up. It's really, really clean, simple bit of code, but they've got a playground section on there. So you can actually have a, they've got a lot of code pens up so you can actually see different configurations of the, uh, of the tool. And, and it's just really, really simple and clean and a, and a far cry from what we've been, what we've, what I've previously fought with for years, you know, and like tiny MC and all that stuff. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, and it's worth having a look, I think. And just, yeah. uh, bookmarking and if you need him one then looks a pretty good one to use i do like it that's good all right that uh i think that'll do it i think this this we've recorded this uh show in about 28 different parts <laughs> so we we now have lost the will to live at this point so let's wrap it up by talking about our next sponsor. Um, our final sponsor of the day is Proposify, um, which is a great tool if you want to create proposals that really impress your clients. Um, you can customize it around your brand using visual, uh, your own kind of visual identity, logo, you know, uh, you can even have your own domain name. You can um, y- customize all the emails and who they're sent from and all that kind of stuff. So it's totally, you know, you can totally white label the thing. Um, you can create um, interactive uh, pricing tables, which obviously is very impressive and looks really good. Clients can um, legally sign off on your proposal in the browser, which again is, is hugely beneficial and it can be viewed and accessed from any device. You can also, it creates really nice PDFs. And to be honest, this is one of its strengths compared to its competitors, in my opinion, that um, it creates great PDFs if the client wants to print it off and, you know, which they often do, let's be honest. Um, uh, it, but also it provides great analytics. So it lets you know when, uh, your clients open the email that you sent with the proposal in it. It lets you know when they click on the link or they add a comment or obviously most importantly, when they accept, um, the, the proposal. So loads of analytics, which will let you know how, um, effective your proposal is. Um, and you can even set it up to automatically remind your clients to check it out, uh, if they haven't yet got round to opening the proposal yet. 
So it's a really great product. It does loads of great stuff. You can check it out at proposify.biz forward slash Boag World. So that about wraps up this week's show. Do you know what? I'm not going to do a joke in in reference it's reverence to to marcus he's the only one that can do the jokes properly in my opinion so unless one of you guys have got a joke that that you feel a need to do i think we will we will just wrap up but don't forget next season to submit your you got to submit a talk for next season you can find out more about that at boag.world forward slash season 18 let's quickly go around the table ryan where can people find out about you uh, I'm on nodividestudio.com and you can find me on Twitter uh, at Ryan Havoc. So if you want uh, an agency that has got no morals and are happy, <laughs> happy to apply capture, then go to No Divide. However, if you want a proper agency that does things well, Rich, where, so where can people find out more about you? Oh, splendid. Well, you'll be wanting to go to clearleft.com. <laughs> yeah, you and, will. Um, check out our new brand on your website. I know it's I very it's, funky. It is. It's very funky. Someone got overexcited with Photoshop <laughs> or Sketch or whatever the cool kids use. I think days. we finally discovered Photoshop. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> could be. Could be that. Okay. Uh, what about you personally, Rich, um, on on Twitter or, or your blog or whatever? Um, uh, Clagnut. At Clagnut on Twitter or <laughs> Clagnut.com. I'm, uh, did, I'm, I'm sorry. That. I've got to ask, where did that come from? Uh, it came a long time ago, um, <laughs> just from discussions at a, like a company before a company before a company I used to work for. Um, and we said, oh, com. no one's got that yet. We should buy that and do something with it. <laughs> um, and, and then we didn't. And then I got made redundant and I learned some PHP and MySQL and built a blog and thought, oh, I've still got that domain somewhere. I'll stick it on there just to see if I can get it working. Um, and then people actually came and read some of the stuff that i wrote and i was lumbered with it ever since that is the trouble isn't it these mis- these mistakes you made so early on it's like mm. boag world how arrogant does that sound oh, Paul, you know? i i take it the sam barnes i never thought that was yeah. i'd have to publicize this <laughs> the, truth, the truth about that is my brother was getting into this all before me and he just had a domain he was the danny barnes and i, just, I was just starting something thought no one'd ever read it i thought why not it just it was available and now I have to apologise and, and plead with people that I don't, especially when, do you know what, it's worse when I'm ringing up like the bank or something and they want my email address or it's really horrible. It's really horrible, but it's done now. So that's it. Yeah. The, the things we get ourselves into and then get stuck with. So remember this, kids, when buying your first domain, don't pick something that makes you sound like an arrogant twat. Well, this is like that. This is like a long drawn out 15 year version of that bank advert they have where they say not to pick silly little names right now because you need to be yeah, professional yeah. in two years yeah to, to be yeah. fair though it's not really held you back has it mm, no i called Mm-mm. it branding and people believe me <laughs> yeah it's amazing what you could get away with isn't it yeah exactly so my first ever domain name was media geek but i let that one lapse i quite liked that one but uh anyway but- so uh, who we done? We've done Rich. We've done Ryan. Uh, so Sam, what about you? Yeah. Well, we know you, you <laughs> are at the sandbarns dot com and the same on Twitter at the sandbarns. And then um, Andy, what about you? Well, best place at the moment is malarkey dot co dot uk. No, it isn't. What am I talking about? Malarkey on Twitter. <laughs> no, no, it's because I was thinking about setting up a different blog. No, best place to get me is at malarkey on twitter and i really 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 do apologize to everybody that i've been offending recently by posting pictures of Theresa may every morning <laughs> with love from australia you really really don't want to follow malarkey on twitter <laughs> it's just it's just vile bitterness continually being spouted about brexit basically that's that's all you get isn't it pretty much yeah pretty much <laughs> So where did malarkey come from? Sorry, we need to wrap this show up, really, but <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm interested. Uh, no, well, I used to work for uh, a small ad agency in the, the south of London, and there was a sort of bit of a wide boy client manager that worked there at the time, and he didn't know too much about, you know, getting accurate briefs from a client. So he used to come into the studio and he'd say, oh, they want a bit of it, a bit of this and a bit of that, and all that malarkey, clarkey. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. right. and uh, and it stuck so there you go malarkey, and if you clarkey. look up malarkey in the dictionary one of the definitions is stuff and nonsense there you go 
see makes perfect sense anyway that was all unnecessary thank you guys for the well, like that show as a whole thank you guys for listening um i hope you found some stuff useful and we'll be back again next week but until then goodbye Oh, my God.